Welcome to another episode of 1923 Main Street. Home of the Daddy Daughter Disney Travel Podcast. We are your hosts. I am Mike Bellobratic. And I'm Amelia Bellobratic. And join us as we go back in time to share with you some of our favorite tales from Disney history. I love Disney history. Do you like Disney history, Amelia? As far as you have, how many years of Disney history now? 12 years? 10 yeah. years? And some of these predate you, but some of them... A lot you of these predate me. But... but you have interactions with them in the current day, and we'll get into that. And we have, how many tales do we have? We have five, 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 count them, five of our favorite tales. Some you may know, but some you may not. In fact, the very first one on this list is one that I just learned about myself maybe three or four years ago, and it's it's sort of one of my favorite ones because it involves who? Walt Disney himself. Walt Disney himself. And, you know, when you think of Walt Disney World... There aren't a ton of stories that can involve Walt Disney himself. because it's true. Yeah, because unfortunately he was not around when it actually opened. Although his imagineering fingerprint was on much of what was done there in the early days. So what is, shall we just dive right in? Yes. What is, and you, you were there when this story was told to us. The first story is what? Shipwreck Island. Shipwreck Island. So... If you don't know Walt Disney World very much, or if you, even if you do, there are, in the Magic Kingdom Resort area, two bodies of water, Bay Lake, which is an, an existing body of water, and also... And Seven Seas Lagoon, which is man-made. Right, and we're going to get more into all of these later. But this story takes place where? Bay Lake. Bay Lake. And there are a couple of islands on Bay Lake. One is more famous... Uh, from the past, known as Treasure Island or Discovery Island. Discovery Island. But the other island is less well-known because, as far as I know, there's nothing on the island. But that is where this story takes place. And this island is where? Can you tell me? It's it is between Wilderness Lodge and the Contemporary. And the Contemporary. So if you can picture, if you've been there, when you're on a boat and you're going in through that little waterway that connects you go Bay right Lake. by it but yeah. you don't even realize it connects it. bay lake to seven seas lagoon if you're going towards the magic kingdom on your left there's an island and when you come in to dock at wilderness lodge back from the magic kingdom the boat actually goes between a shipwreck island and wilderness lodge and if you can picture the new bungalows that face the contemporary those actually face the island so this island is right between the contemporary and wilderness lodge and why is it called Shipwreck Island? Because who got stranded there? Walt Disney himself. <laughs> this is such a good story. I love it. So let me share it with you as it was shared to us by a boat captain at Walt Disney World. So way, way back in the 60s, when Walt Disney was scouting this property to find, you know, the property of the next Disney World. So they had started purchasing it at this time. But you've got to remember, in the 1960s, this was not looking like it does today. This was pretty much it was what? Florida Swampland. Florida Swampland. And, you know, if people worry about alligators now. You can imagine, you know, 60 years ago when nobody lived there and it was just wilderness, what this body of water would be like. And Disney people were looking around there, but, you know, it was, it was wild. So just bear that in mind when this story's happening. And people were still including Walt himself, discovering wh what was around. There are islands here. What is this? What's along the shoreline? So the story goes that one day Walt wanted to go off and explore. So he had a little boat, like a car topper boat with a little outboard engine, and Walt went off exploring. And Walt landed where? On Shipwreck Island, but it wasn't called that then. No, on the shores of Shipwreck Island. 
and he went to explore the island. And as the story goes, you know, imagine hot, sunny Florida swampy summer. Mosquitoes. So, well, mosquitoes, snakes in the water, alligators mm. around. <laughs> yeah, it's again, it's not built up like it was now back then, or it was not. So Walt, anyway, he's looking around the island, and then, you know, he'd had enough. And what happened, Amelia, when he went to leave? His boat was out of gas. His boat would not start. And no paddles, no oars. He had nothing in the boat. So here was Walt, shipwrecked, stranded on Shipwreck Island. And this is the 1960s. So what did you not have? Cell phones. No cell phones, no pagers, no beepers, no nothing. So poor Walt Disney was stranded on this island. Stranded on an island about 50 meters away from civilization yeah but it wasn't civilization then you just no. imagine there there was no contemporary all that was just no because his people were there except nobody could m and it's not like you could just swim across because no. of course there's alligators could you imagine yeah nobody wants to dive in that swampy water it, again it wasn't cleaned up like it is now i just imagine it bay lake was a lake but it certainly I'll just get like a big stick and start paddling yeah so walt sat there for hours and hours as the story goes until at, by this time as you said there was a crew there there was people scouting and looking around so at some point somebody said you know where's walt <laughs> You're like, where is Walt? So they had to send out a search party to try to find Walt. And so long story short, after several hours, they come across Shipwreck Island. They see the boat and Walt on the shore. And Walt is rescued from Shipwreck Island. And I love this story because you can just imagine, you know, Walt Disney sitting, actually knowing Walt, he probably, well, not knowing him, but knowing what we know of him from reading and his imagination. I'm sure he was taking the time to just take in his surroundings and think of things but i'm actually surprised he didn't build a whole thing there yeah i know there's nothing as again i don't know what's on that island they've never actually used it from a public facing perspective but yeah so that is the story if you have never heard it before of walt disney and shipwreck island and as far as i know on maps discovery island is named and we're going to talk about beachcomber island in a little bit but i don't think that one's actually named anywhere really yeah except the cast member who told us that it is called Shipwreck Island, and that is why, because Walt himself was shipwrecked. And a little thing, if you ever were ever at, this is just something I always wondered about from an Imagineering standpoint. Now, unfortunately, you did not get to see Discovery Island, or Treasure Island, as it was first called, but there was a shipwrecked boat on the shores of that, and I always wondered if that boat was sort of a throwback by Imagineers to Walt Disney being shipwrecked on the nearby island. In I sort of have a feeling it is. Yeah, and, and I have a picture of it. I did do a blog post on this. I'm going to put this in the show notes so you can sort of read the story the way I wrote it originally. And, and I have photos of the island and, and a map of where this one is if you're confused about where it exactly it is. So I'll put that in the show notes, so definitely check it out. But that is my favorite Walt Disney World history story, because I just think it's really neat because it involves Walt himself. Now, the next one, we're going to jump across the country and go to Disneyland. And I'm sure, Amelia, uh, you love this story. It's my this, favorite one. What is this story? The Feral Cats. And do you want to tell this story? Do you want to start? I think you should start, and I'll jump in with my amazing all right. input. So first of all, have you seen a feral cat? Lots. So if tons. So if you faithful listeners out there have been Hordes to Disneyland, yeah, and if you don't know the story of the feral cats, because in this case, these feral cats are pretty famous, I would say. So if you're just walking around Disneyland or California Adventure and you see a cat wandering around, 
Now you'll know that this is part of what I learned is called a clouder, a clouder of cats that are Disney cats. And this all began again with the very beginnings of Disneyland when they were building Sleeping Beauty Castle. And I guess the cats took up residence in the castle. Mm. <laughs> so they were the original inhabitants. They thought, hey, this is pretty good. These were wild, feral cats. You, you probably don't remember seeing very many mice at Disneyland. Mm. Well, you now have the feral cats to thank. Yes, you have the feral cats to thank. So they were living in the castle. And of course, the Imagineers needed to get to work. So they evicted the cats from the castle. But the cats did... And were allowed... They to, did not go very far. No, they did not go very far to take up residence throughout the park. And so over the years, this group of cats has become quite famous. And they've bred over time, of course. But Disney does allow them to be in the park. And they have... Uh, our VIP tour guide once told us they do set up feeding stations for the cats. Although the cats do do some cleanup work for them with unwanted yes. little visitors. They, do, they don't want you to feed them or approach the cats. In fact... Mm, the cats can be vicious. Or, you know, do you know what they do if, the, if a cat is too friendly? They let you adopt them. Yeah. So cats the, so cat, adopt them. Exactly. So if they don't really want... And when they have kittens, too, cast members can adopt yeah, little kittens. Yeah, wouldn't it be cool to have had an... Affair? Oh, that'd be so neat. You know, maybe when I'm older and I'm a cast member there, maybe we should get... Because we do have our own Minnie Mouse, who is our own. She could totally be a feral cat. Well, she is in Disney Resort North. No, she could be. A, she could go there and she'd fit right in. Oh, she'd fit well. She'd want to own the place. That's true. But yeah, we have, and in fact, uh, you know, there's a, quite a few. There's a website. The, these cats are celebrities, and some of them these have cats are famous. Some of them have been given names, and Ryan Gosling, who you know, he was a Mouseketeer, and he's talked about these Disney feral cats. So next time you see a cat roaming around there you will know it is not just a random cat. And there is mm -hmm. one that we, I'm going to put a picture this week as we're talking about this. We have seen uh, a couple of times Francisco, that who turns out is a girl, yeah, someone not noted. A, not a boy, whoever Whoever, <laughs> whoever named, named you. her. Yeah, so we call her Francie or Francis. And she hangs out near the Grizzly River, River Run. Run. Yes, <laughs> Grizzly River Run. Because uh, we stay at the Grand Californian there, so we typically see her. So I have a shot of her behind the fence. She's not caged in. She's just behind the little fence there. And there are feral cats at Disney World. Yeah. But they're not as well known. And, People love cats. And they were, I think one of them was rabid last year or something. And there was a story going around. But I, the Disneyland ones are much more acclimated and cared for. And cast members look out for them. And if you see them, don't try to pet them or feed them. But just appreciate that these are part of Disney history. Yeah, they, they just strut around. Yeah. And I think it's pretty cool that they, they let they them. They own the place. They do. And uh, yeah, it's fun to see them. And when you do see them, they don't look all gross and matted no. or, you know, mangy they actually look quite healthy like they're they look some, like pets they do they look like someone's house pet so yeah that uh that that's a that's a fun disney history story that is still around today yes now our next story let's hop back this is sort of a point of interest ah. but it's going to lead into our story after that what is our next story about the white sand beaches and what is the story so if you picture the Polynesian Village Resort, primarily, and all the beaches around there and the Grand Floridian Resort. The beaches are, as you said, beautiful white sand. Like pearls. Yeah, like it just looks like they trucked it in from somewhere, but they did not. Where yeah. did that sand come they from? They actually found it at the bottom of Seven Seas Lagoon. Correct. 
And this is a fun story because a lot of people don't realize that. When So Seven Seas Lagoon was swampland, just total swampland. It wasn't... A lot of people don't realize many things about the history of Disney. Yeah. Well, they don't think about it when you're there. You just enjoy it. But if you care about this sort of cool Disney history stuff... If you're just a, a Disney historian. If you're a Disney historian, you definitely know this story. But it was just a... A swampland that needed to be dredged. They needed to dig it up. I think it's 12 or 18 feet deep or something like that. But they had to dig down and turn it into a lake, essentially. And then they connected it to Bay Lake, which was a lake where Shipwreck Island was. That's why Walt was on a boat. But at the time Walt was on a boat, right next door in this Seven Seas Lagoon area was just a swamp. So there's a real appreciation for Disney Imagineers who had this vision of how to clear it and what shape and what would work and engineers it must and, have been a lot of work. And they had to drain it. That's why those canals are all oh. over Disneyland. It's a it's a crazy story of how they managed the water to turn Florida Swampland, which they paid next to nothing for, into, you know, stable ground that you can build hotels on. So they dug up that sand. Oh, no, no, no. And, yeah, and then some, you know, smart little imagineer said, Hey, we let's use this for the beaches. So that's where the white sand comes from. So it's sort of neat that it actually is local. It's still Even, there today. Yeah. So they had, it was at the very bottom and they had to sift it out, you know, and clean it up and it's still there today, fifty years later. But the white sand at the Polynesian was in jeopardy at one point, as we move into our next story. And why was it in jeopardy? Well, you see, there was this brilliant Imagineer who said, oh, we should surf at Disney. Which, by the way, I completely agree with. So, you know, people who want to surf at Disney, just, just tell them. Surfing, surfing. But anyway, I digress. So they decided to make a wave machine for the Polynesian beaches. So Dick Nunes is who you're talking about. And he was a surfer. Right. He, was, he was a California surfer, Disney guy. He was like VP of park operations or something at the time. And, and it's interesting because when they were thinking, it's funny to think of now, but back in the 60s, when they were thinking of building Disney World and putting it in Florida, there was no, they were the first theme park anywhere after Disneyland. So, really? But the competition for them was Florida beaches. And they were really worried that they had to compete with going to the beach in Florida So they and surfing, which is where I first started surfing on the Florida coast in Cocoa Beach, not too far from there. So they were really concerned about it. And Dick Nunes, who was a big surfer, he said, we've got to have surfing and beaches there. Other, you know, Otherwise, we can't compete. Sounds sort of silly now because the rest of the world came to them. So that's why he thought, okay, especially after they saw this white sand. So he really wanted to put this wave machine in. So the wave machine, it was facing the beach between the Grand Floridian and the Polynesian, before you get to the Wedding Pavilion, sort of at the end of the Polynesian where the Luau is, there's a beach. Yeah. And you love that beach. That's why I was asking you. There's a, so relaxing. There's a swing on it right now, a swing chair. Yeah, I love that beach. So that beach was going to be the Waikiki Beach, <laughs> the Honolulu. It's so big. It is a big stretch of land. Yeah, I can so, see where they would pick that one because it's yeah. big. So right out, there's the island that you see straight out from the Polynesian and also from the Grand Floridian. It's called Beachcomber Island, and they were going to change the name to like some surf-related name, apparently, if this all worked out. So in 1971, Dick Nunes convinced the Disney people to pay you know, several hundred thousand dollars to put in this gigantic wave machine. So he wanted it to pump waves that would go towards the Polynesian so that you could surf into the Polynesian and land That's on the beach. That's smart. Yeah. There was only one problem. Why didn't it work? It did work. 
It worked too well, as they say. So it's funny. This is one of those, well, hindsight's twenty twenty. What happens when you pound big waves on a beach? It erodes the sand. So here they were. <laughs> they didn't really think about this, right? They took all this beautiful white sand and they put it on the beaches. And then they started pumping these waves out from this wave machine that, that was put into the rocks on the edge of this island. But it would hit the shore because there's not huge waves in, in Seven Seas Lagoon. So it's like a lake now. But it would start taking the sand away and it was ruining the beach. And at those times, we used to swim in the beaches. And not only that, there, back in the early days, you could rent paddle boats and there was like canoes. So there's a really? lot. Yeah, and there was water skiing there and they had ski <laughs> shows with Goofy. Yeah. So suddenly there's these like, now these waves were not, there's only a few pictures of them online. If you search, you can find them. They weren't like 20 foot waves or 10 or even eight. I'd say they were like three, three foot waves, sort of like you get beginner waves at Waikiki Beach. That's all they wanted. So anyone would be able to surf on them. And they even yeah. imagined they would have surfing contests there and all this stuff. What went wrong? It was ruining the beach and it was disrupting the water. So they actually closed it down. There's some discrepancy in the stories you read because Disney or Walt Disney World opened in October 71. So some people say they closed it by 70 by the time it even opened, even though it was in and functioning. Some say it ran into 1972. They did try it again. So they shuttered it. They shut it down. I never actually saw these waves coming in, but I remember cast members talking when we were there in the first year in 1972, the luau was out on the beach at the Polynesian. And I remember cast members telling us that they were going to have, you know, those, those sort of Hawaiian boats with the outrigger oh, yeah. and the paddle, that they were going to bring the food in on these, on these waves and all. So they had all these great ideas of how to use this, but it was ruining the no, beach. No, it, it didn't work. It did work, but it didn't work because it ruined the beach and it disrupted the water. There was, you know, mm. they, they didn't consider the effect. They that ruined these, the magic. They did. These big waves were going to have. So they did. Ultimately, they had to shut it down and dismantle it. But it cost a lot because when they dredged that area, the swamp, like we were talking about, that's when they had to build it, right? They had to get under the water. So when the swamp was drained and they found this white sand, then they're putting it in. So then they filled it all back up. And it became Seven Seas Lagoon. So it was a pain in the butt, really. To You had to be a diver to go underwater to fix this thing. That's fun, be a diver. So you can still see it today. And I've pointed it out to you when we take the boat from the Polynesian to the Magic Kingdom or when you're taking the boat from the Grand Floridian to the Polynesian. You go right by. That's Beachcomber Island. And if you look on the end that's facing the Polynesian, you can now just... There's a lot of weeds in front of it now, but you can just see the rocks. So the rock wall... It's actually pretty cool. Yeah, that's where the wave machine was. But Dick Nunes did not give up on his dream of surfing at Walt Disney World and having a beach. So where did that ultimately end up? Typhoon Lagoon. Yes, Typhoon Lagoon. It's in in the name, really. He was prepared this time. He was prepared this time. And you have experienced this. It's awesome. And you're telling me I could have done this at the Polynesian? Yeah, can you imagine? Huh? Yeah, but let me tell you something like else. Sand. And you were a natural. Like, I struggled with those Typhoon Lagoon waves. Really? Those are big waves. Where Thank the you. Where these were little waves, little two or three footers, the Typhoon Lagoon waves, you're talking five, six feet or bigger even. They can. Oh, yeah. They can pump up those waves. So surfing, did, he did get his wish for surfing at Walt Disney World. 
finally in Typhoon Lagoon. So it's a great end to the story. He had a beach and surfing and we've done it. And if you're thinking at all about surfing at Typhoon Lagoon, Amelia, thumbs up or thumbs down? Oh, yes. Thumbs up. Totally. Major thumbs up. I agree. But you have to be somewhat of a morning person for that one day. It is going to be bright and early. All right. I want to tell another. Is this our last story? Yes, and this might be one of your favorites. This is one of my favorites because it goes back to my earliest days. And I told Amelia about this. And and I'm so sad because I just missed having her see this. This story is about what? The lawnmower tree. The lawnmower tree. And I think maybe I did. I just don't remember it. No, I I didn't get you there soon enough because, well, let's tell the story. So the lawn, if you're a long time... A guest or visitor to Disney's Fort Wilderness Campground, you will remember the classic lawnmower tree, which was right by just before you went down the pathway to the boat launch area by the beach, just on the left. This story is cool to me because we were just talking about how it was all swampland and nobody on this property for years and years. But here, what did Imagineers come across? Why don't you explain what it is? so there's this old real lawnmower thing. Yeah, the push kind. I, I don't know what these are like. Yeah, you wouldn't know. But there's this old lawnmower thing. And then this tree had grown like around it. Right through it. Yeah, yeah. like around it. it so like stuck in the stump. So Imagineers in the 60s again, you know, this was all swampland, like I said, but what the heck? There's this tree in the middle of this area Bay Lake was a lake. Good job so, being specific, Daddy. What? A tree in the middle of an area. <laughs> okay, good. So you've just described Fort Wilderness. Okay, so let me let me start again. Rewind. There's a tree near the shore of Bay Lake. Good job. Yes. Better. That's at some point, I don't know, 10, 20 years, before Disney bought the land, somebody had clearly lived here and been That's cutting. That's really a, cool, actually. Yeah, and they left a lawnmower and a tree grew around it. So Disney Imagineers, to their credit came across this and said, we're going to leave this. And they left it. cool. And they left it as, a, as an attraction. How long was it there for, would it you was, say? Well, from the 70s until, they didn't take it out till 2013, but it did degrade. Wow. So if anyone who was there in the 70s will remember that the, the tree, the actual tree around the lawnmower tree was alive and well. It was a growing tree and this lawnmower was in it. And you can see the blade sticking out. Is it safe? Did you read, did you say what the sign says yet? No, I did not. Why do you not? Do you want me to read or did you want me to? You can read it because I don't think I can read it. And I'll never forget Billy Bowlegs. So the sign said, Too long did Billy Bowlegs park his real slow mower. Alas, one warm and sunny day aside a real fast grower. And they spelled real, R-E-E-L, because it was a push real mower. And so this, here they were, the first Disney Imagineers creating a backstory for the lawnmower tree. You know, when you have to spell out the joke, it's... it's well, I don't, it's, this, this is a podcast, it's not a vlog, so they can't see yeah. the spelling. But um, I don't know why they came up with Billy Bowlegs, so I would love to know what, what's... Yeah, who, why Billy Bowlegs? I've never actually Googled that, so let's check that out after someone can tell us. Who is Billy Bowlegs, or did they just make him up? Because it was someone's nephew. I don't know. But I loved this as a kid because the lawnmower tree was so cool and it was there for so long. And then, you know, 20, 30 years go by and the tree died. Well, the poor tree finally died, but they but they left it. Yeah. So they sort of cut, they cut it like 10 or 12 feet mm-hmm. in the air. But by the time, just like Beauty Castle got invested by feral cats, the tree got infested by bugs. Yeah, the tree. And unfortunately... Feral bugs just aren't as cute as feral cats. No, yeah, that's right. <laughs> feral bugs. 
Unfortunately, <laughs> it does not have the same ring to it. And don't forget, this was not the tree of life. This was a real tree. <laughs> so it didn't have fake carved Disney bugs. It got infested with real bugs and it started to rot and all that stuff. And then, so Amelia's first time there was 2009, 10, born in 2008. So early 2000 or mid, just after you were born. And they didn't, they took the tree out without notice. It was just gone one day in 2013. I know, and I didn't take you there until it might have even been that year. Like, we just literally just missed it because I remember going with you, going, Where did the lawnmower tree go? It's gone. And I thought I was losing my mind. And then, no, they did remove it. Uh, Another thing I read on somebody's post who looked into it more that people were starting to, by now, this mower was rusty. So people were touching it and taking pictures, and you can get sick. How did they even remove it? Or they should just set a sign, don't touch the rust. Or, or, enclose it better but no they people were you know they didn't want someone to come to get infected by a well sharp, if they had rusty... a sign that says do not touch danger it's like they have the signs for the monorails high voltage that you can't sue them if you touch it after yeah, seeing it was, a high voltage sign it was also looking sort of ratty at this point because the oh but come on it's so cool but they could have maybe i just sterilized to see it. it and like shellacked it or something to give it some life but yeah the lawnmower tree is definitely a piece of Disney history that I love. And if you're listening to this and you remember the lawnmower tree, I'm sure you loved it too. Because it, it was just a, such a cool thing that pre-existed yeah. Walt Disney World. And I really thank cool. those Imagineers. Yeah, I thank them for leaving it, for saying, this is so cool. Yeah. We're going to leave it here and we're going to make a story. story. It's like a yeah. photo op yeah. too. Now, who actually lived there and whose lawnmower was it? And that would be, maybe it really was Billy Bowlegs. I don't know. Now, I don't think they knew, though, from what I understand. Now, if your grandpa knows who used to live at Disney World, just leave it in the comments. Yes, if you, if someone, if some Disney historian out there really wants to dig into who owned that land pre-Disney, and let's find out whose lawnmower was they that. They probably got really mad. They sold it. <laughs> Well, that's a whole other story, the whole, the Florida story. Actually, I have the book. You might want to read it about how Walt Disney secretly purchased all this land without anybody knowing for so many years because it was Florida Swampland. But he did it secretly because he was smart and he knew if people knew Disney was buying it, he wouldn't have paid the prices he did. It's a great story. It's a really good book. Definitely worth reading. Yes. So... I think that wraps up our trip yep. down memory lane of favorite stories. Which is your favorite story, Amelia? Uh, okay, we've got Shipwreck Island. No, the, I think Feral Cats. The Feral Cats, the White Sand I'm Beaches, a cat the Wave Machine, and the Lawnmower Tree. The Feral Cats is your favorite? Feral Cats, because I think I think of my cat, little Minnie Mouse. She's totally a feral cat. I'm torn between Shipwreck Island because it's Walt and the Lawnmower Tree, but I think I have to go with the Lawnmower Tree just because it's part yeah. of my history with Disney growing up. Yeah. I really do love Shipwreck Island though because I'd never heard it before and I'd I never think it's a really cool I'd never story. seen anything written about it before. I think it's a cool I put story it on and I'm blog. actually quite surprised Walt didn't build something there. I thought it would have planned out a whole theme park in his few hours that or, he was or there. Or maybe even a track and a, like a little attraction on the shore, like a little <laughs> shipwreck, just something to look at as you go by. So maybe, maybe he did. Maybe deep inside Shipwreck Island there's there's a little wood attraction where you just little painting in this little if someone swims over thing. at night like they did to discovery yeah. island so listen disney imagineers instead of painting castles different colors <laughs> why don't we do something for disney history and yes. put a little uh 
a little, a cute little shipwreck on that island so that others can learn the story yeah. of Walt Disney and Shipwreck yeah. Island. Or if you still have a lawnmower tree, put it in a museum. Cut off the stump and put it in a museum. Yeah, uh, yeah I wonder who does actually have the actual lawnmower parts or what they did with it. Who knows? Who I don't knows? think they, I don't know. They might not have just thrown it out. I'm sure somebody, some enterprising imagineer may <laughs> have taken it. Someone who appreciates the little things. We could have had that in our backyard. We could create our lawnmower tree. Yes, when you have a million dollars, which I'm sure that's about how much they would have auctioned it for. No, I mean, we'll just create our own. We'll just plant a little sapling and then when I'm dead in 50 years, you'll have a lawnmower tree. Great. Yeah, sounds fun, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Listen, everyone, we hope you enjoyed our quick little walk down memory lane, some of our favorite tales from Disneyland and Walt Disney World primarily. And it's just fun. So let us know your favorite tales from the past. Reach out to us when we're tweeting about this this week. And yeah, we'd love to hear your favorite historical tales from these areas or stories that you've heard that maybe other people don't know. Yeah. And of course, on that note, you can find us at 1923 Main Street on social media everywhere. And check out our Patreon page. At 1923 Main Street, patreon.com slash 1923 Main Street. Some cool stuff at all levels. Or just share the podcast with your friends. I mean, yeah. that's the... Anything you can do to help support us, we yeah. really appreciate it. We appreciate that most of all. Hopefully you enjoy the stories we bring to you each week, so feel free to share them with people, and that helps us out a lot. So thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week, and we hope you have a magical day. Bye-bye.